Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome today, friends. We are going to be diving into a subject that I get asked a lot about, but I want you guys to know that this is something that I haven't talked about because I feel like I'm still a newbie. Like I'm still really learning. Um, yeah. So I'm, I want you guys to know that, that this is like a process. And so I think sometimes when we get going into these things, we think that they're a lot easier. Like, you know, there's a, you know, a recipe to it and it just like happens and everything. But if you grow in a garden, even for a year, you know, well enough that like things take time, like they take time to figure themselves out both for you and for nature. And sometimes things don't work very well. Sometimes you got to try something else. So I want to first approach this with that, like this topic of composting, like that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I just want you guys to know that it doesn't just happen. Like this takes a lot of time. And I have been working on composting in some form in various ways for probably four years now. So And for me to still say I'm a newbie should make you feel like if you're jumping into this, that it's going to take time and that's okay. So I want to just preface all of this conversation with that. And I feel like I have to do that with a lot of these things. So, because my main goal is for you guys to feel as if you can do these things, but that you don't have to be great at them to begin with. Like, and in fact, you may never be great at them, but it's the process and the act that is so great that you can, you know, enjoy it still. 
and it still be successful. So I just want to start there and just say that before we jump into this conversation. And at some point I want to bring on some experts. I have a list of people that are like really great composters that I think would just be wonderful to have on here. But I just, this time of year is so busy and it's hard to kind of nail down in in people. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share what I know. And then we can bring in some experts and I can ask some questions that I have. And so if you guys have questions about this that you would love to hear from somebody who is like a legit composting expert, you can email me or DM me on Instagram, whatever works for you guys. And as always, like by subscribing to our podcast, it's the best way to support this so I can get more interviews. And if you leave comments and reviews, all of that makes it more legitimate for me to get great interviews with people. So I, if you can do that, that is always helpful. So thank you if you take the time to do that. But let's jump into this. So I want to start like with everything. I want to say why you need to be doing this. Because, and I think we always think that if we live in a small space or we have a small yard or a small garden, that you don't have to do these things. But, or you don't have the space to do them. Or even if you're a busy parent, you don't have the re- like the means to do this. But I'm going to beg to differ and tell you that I had that dialogue in my head for a very long time. And I wish that I had rewritten it and reconsidered it earlier because composting is incredibly simple and it's, it's like the best thing you can do for the earth. Like I still have single use plastic in my house that I wish I could get rid of. I still have to recycle so many products and I wish I didn't have to, but the amount of trash that we have offset by just composting. And the thing is, is like, there are legit studies that like most of the methane gases that we're experiencing from our trash systems are coming from the food waste that is in our trash. That's right. The food waste, which is the biggest culprit of some of the methane that we're experiencing. And I'll link to an article in the show notes if you want to read more on that, because that means that like just by composting, you can offset your methane gas production from your home. That's simple. Okay. So all of those scraps when you're cooking or preserving your garden or anything, whether it's winter, summer, spring, fall, it doesn't matter. You can offset that that easily just by composting those things and having a bale of straw or anything else. We're going to talk about that. But I just want you guys to know that like you have a powerful tool available to you that people have used for centuries and we have just become unaccustomed because people were like, oh, that's kind of gross to like manage a trash pile. It's not a trash pile. This is literally like natural things going back into the environment and rebuilding microbes in the soil and it should never smell. And we'll talk about that too. And this is actually really cool. It's a giant science experiment and you get to enjoy it. And I don't even really like science, like from the chemical standpoint, like I didn't even take chemistry because it wasn't, I can't even do, I don't do public math. I don't do any of that. So I don't like things like that, but this is really fun. And our kids love it too. It's very interesting, but this is also a huge part of why we got chickens. Going to get there. But basically that is the main why is like, you can lower your waste and offset your methane gas that is you're producing by putting that food waste into your trash bag 
every day and multiple times a day, most likely, if you're cooking at home as much as all of us are during a pandemic. But you can also save money. And I hear me out on this. So we all pay for trash service, right? And we all, if you grow a garden, you're also paying for soil and compost to go into your garden. So whether you can like, for us, like we pay for trash service by the bag. So we pay $5 a bag in order to have it picked up. We pay for, we buy bags in bulk at our hardware, local hardware store that are connected to our trash service here locally. And that's how we do trash. So we produce about one to two red bags. Well, I guess it's like three to four, maybe every single month. So it's like one red bag a week, more or less on average. It depends on the week, what we're doing, what came in, you know, and this doesn't include recycling or anything like that. Recycling is a completely separate thing that we pay through our taxes. That is something we have to take offsite that is not managed through our home expenses in that regard. So it's different, um, but it takes work. So we're highly aware of both our trash output and our recycling. Now we have a baby who is still, we tried doing cloth diapering. It only worked for so long. We moved to regular diapers and now we're in that situation and hopefully moving out in the next four months, four to five months. That's the crossing fingers hope. But so I'm hoping that that cost in production goes down as well with that. You know, we can hope, but what I'm trying to get to is that whether you pay for your trash service that way, or you're paying a monthly expense, you can actually possibly lower it and look at different means of paying and doing trash than like even like where you do a drop-off and pay per drop-off. And if you're doing something like composting, because I can nearly bet that you're not going to be taking trash out every single day. Like we used to, before we even had kids, we would be having to take our trash out almost every day. And because it would be full and everything. And now we take it out because it gets stinky (laughs) more than anything than full and stinky because like, there's like a meat package in there or like something like that. And it's like, Oh, like that stinks. But anyways, the other thing is, is like, you're creating your own compost that you can put in your garden. Granted, this is, I'm going to get to this, but this is not going to happen quickly. So you will still have to pay it over time. This is not like a immediate, oh, I have compost now. I just saved $100 in paying for compost this year. But legitimately, you will get there and you will get to the point and we finally are there after four years. So you need to know that, but you will save money on compost for your garden, depending on the size of your garden and what you're doing with your garden. This is a great way to offset cost. The other thing is, is this is a natural way to build microbes in your soil, whether you have a garden with vegetables in it, or you're just doing a garden with some flowers, or you want a way to mulch your, your landscaping every year, or you want to build the microbes in your soil for your lawn, whatever it may be. If you have green space or even plants inside your apartment, this is a way to keep them thriving, happy, growing, and doing great. And without a doubt, no matter how you go about composting, you will be growing beautiful plants and they will be thankful for you. Okay. So that stuff that you're putting into your trash can, 
that is putting methane into the air and, you know, got all the carbon situation going on up there, then instead you can take all of that, save money on building up your, your nutrients in the soil that are growing the things that you love to look at. You can put it into there and now everything's happy and it's not creating methane. I think we're winning here. So all that to say, compost can save the world. Not really, but kind of. So I want to tell you guys that you can do this and I'm going to give you like basically the high level of it. We are going to go deeper into it, but I'm hoping that just understanding the why you should get into it will make you want to jump into this deeper level of like, here's how you can actually do it because it it's both easier and harder than you might think, but it isn't as gross as you think. I can almost like, I, I can promise you that. So first of all, you don't have to ever touch worms. You don't ever have to touch these things. You just have to be diligent about taking things out into your compost pile every day. So we're going to talk about that and how to keep it healthy and nice and get started. So first of all, whenever you look up how to compost, you're going to come across the terms brown and green matter. Basically, brown is your carbon. So and this is where we're going to get into a little bit of science. So bear with me. I told you I did not take chemistry. I barely even passed biology. So I can promise you that you can do this with me. Okay. So then you have green, which is nitrogen. So the other way to think about these things a little bit, and I am, listen, we are high level generalizing. You can dig so deep into this and like compost experts, like they, yeah, they they would be listening to this and be like, oh my gosh, Megan, like you missed so much here. But I'm trying to get you guys into this because starting is better than not at all. So I just want to get you guys in here. So we got the carbon, which is brown matter, nitrogen, which is green matter. And another way to kind of think about these things a little bit is that the brown carbon matter is basically dry. It's going to bring in the air. It's going to and everything that you need to create this situation. Now our forest, and then the, sorry, the green, which is the nitrogen is also a lot of wet materials. And I'm going to give you a rough idea of a list of things that you can, that would be in those things, but you can also look them up. I'm going to link to one in the show notes as well. If you want like a quick chart to kind of get some ideas off of, but basically the forest does this. And so if you ever like how do I compost? Look at the forest floor because it's composting every day in its own natural state. It's adding, you know, in the fall, we get these dry leaves that come down and they fall and that is your carbon, you know, and they sit there and then we add the snow and it sits there all winter. And then in the spring, we have these green, fresh things that open up on the forest floor and then they die back, but they're very moist. Spring is very moist and it makes it very wet. And then all summer long, we get mushrooms and all these other things growing. It's continually building microbes and composting itself through this process and mulching and it's beautiful. And so if you ever feel a little lost, think about how the forest floor does this. And nature's already doing it. Now we as humans just have to take note and utilize what we've known for a long time to do the thing that we know we need to do. That's basically it. But basically like 
when we think about brown things, cause you're like, okay, Megan, what are these things? Um, these are your carbon, which are going to be like dry leaves, dry grass clippings, cardboard, paper bags. Like if you go to the grocery store, you forget to bring your bags, get the paper ones, even though they utilize a lot of water, you can compost those in your newspapers and things like that, or even packaging materials that a lot of us are getting now, because if you're buying from companies that are thinking about these things, they're giving you materials that are compostable. So this is how you can compost those. Use them as your carbon because usually they're natural materials made of a paper or cotton or um, wool, all these natural fibers that are dry. And so that is your airflow carbon addition to your compost pile. And the best thing to do is to really start with like six to eight inches of carbon at the very base of your compost pile before you start adding in all the nitrogen and green matter. So that's what you can do. So now, you know, you can basically probably look in your home and you're like, well, I was going to recycle all this stuff that can turn into compost. So cool. I don't have to go and recycle it. Well, I hope this is making you excited because it makes me excited because I like making use of what I already have. And this is a way to do it. Now, when we're talking about green things, this is where your kitchen scraps come in. You can use eggshells. Um, we don't really like to add meat or dairy products. So this is another reason why it's really awesome if you eat a vegetarian or vegan diet or plant-based diet. I like that word a little better because many times when we have leftovers, we can just put them in a, you know, are starting to go bad or whatever. I don't feel as bad because they don't have meat in them. And so I can put them into our compost and, or if the kids don't eat a lot of what they're eating is plant-based. So it all can go back into the compost instead of the trash. Even my son's leftovers from school lunch, many times are all plant-based. They're nuts and dried fruit and, you know, a peanut butter sandwich, you know, all of it's plant-based. So it can go back into the compost and turn into compost for our garden. It It's seriously crazy. So all those things are considered green matter. And these also include like manure, which I've, this is why we got chickens. Chickens are, chickens poop is like an intense amount of nitrogen. And so you get that nitrogen into that soil and then, or into that compost, it is just going to heat up. Like I can't even explain it. Like we have heat coming off of our compost on a 70 degree day because it's almost hundred degrees inside of the compost. And because of our chickens, we didn't really, we struggled to really get that nitrogen level in there and that heat going, especially in such a cold climate until we had chickens. So chickens are a great way of doing this. And that, and we talk about this in our DIY compost bin uh, post, and I have that linked here, but basically what we do is we drop all of those food scraps into the chicken coop. Over a month or so, we wait, and then whatever's left over in there, we scoop out the floor, which is full of poop and all sorts of things, and we dump it into our compost through a little bin or a little like door that we can open and shovel it all in there, and then it and then we turn it by hand, which is a lot of work, but um, because of how big our piles are, and then add a little bit of water and cause it gets really dry out here this time of year. And then it's ready to go. Like within by 
by next spring, it'll be ready and we'll cover it with a tarp all winter and, you know, mice and other things will get in there and add their bits and nature does its work. And then we can spread it in the spring and the chickens will do it for us. So, and add more nitrogen. (laughs) So we have this super rich compost pile all because of these little things that we're adding. And so you got, that's all it really takes. Now, one thing that you have to think about, because a lot of people ask me, like, doesn't it smell? So a lot of times in the spring, I will find that our pile does smell. And it's because we've been adding things into this one pile all winter. And what, and we haven't had a lot of carbon to be able to put in there this year. We're going to work even harder to add an um, intense amount of carbon. Um, but it's really hard in the winter and we're going to actually put like a cover over the top. So we don't have as much snow getting in there so that it doesn't smell, but that is the only time our compost bin smells is usually right in the spring when it's really thawed out. And it's because of the lack of carbon, there's an imbalance. So anytime your compost bin smells, it's a lack of something, it's an imbalance. And so if you ever smell it, you got to look at what you've been adding. If you've been adding a lot of nitrogen things, a lot of wet things, a lot of veggie scraps, a lot of things like that, a lot of grass clippings, fresh grass clippings, think about adding leaves or straw or cardboard or um, brown paper or craft paper, anything like that into the system or vice versa. Um, Usually with the dry stuff, it doesn't really stink. It's usually the nitrogen that's stinking and it just needs more carbon in general, but it's not always foolproof that way. Also, if it's stinking, you might just need a little more moisture or it has too much moisture, which means you need more carbon. So it's just like this give and take of carbon and nitrogen additions, depending on what you, where you're at with it. The other thing is, is you need to turn it regularly. This is why a lot of people like tumblers, I'm going to give some options and tumblers are one of them, but um, we found that we just outpaced our tumbler so fast in our house that we could, it was like done in a month. And it was like, okay, well, what do we do now? And it wasn't processing well because we couldn't fit enough carbon in there. It, it wasn't working for us. So that's why we went to larger bins. But if you're a one or two person household, um, a tumbler is great. If you have a large garden, a tumbler is terrible. So you're never going to be able to process all those leftover plants and things like that in your compost, which you don't, want. Like you want to be able to utilize those things unless you have an expansive amount of land, like 15 acres or 10 acres or five acres like we do, that then you can just take your dead plants and move them somewhere else onto your land and let them just naturally compost somewhere else outside of your compost bins. But then you're not utilizing what you have at your disposal because those plants are nitrogen that you can then turn into your compost with some dead leaves in the fall. So it's you can get the picture here. Like it, it just depends on what you need, but that's why we have a pitchfork and we do it by hand once a week, or we utilize our chickens to turn it and we let them loose. They go in there, they love it. They dig around and they're turning it for us, which is also an awesome thing to do for them in the winter. Now, next thing is moisture. So you don't want it too moist and you don't want it too dry because if it's too dry, it won't process if it's too wet, it won't process. And then you got a sludgy, nasty mess on your hands and you don't want that. So you got to watch the moisture levels and just kind of, if it hasn't rained in a couple of weeks, maybe just sprinkle it with some water. You don't need to like gush it out. Sometimes people keep it in their garden. So when they do an overhead sprinkling, 
they can actually get that water in there as well. So that can be helpful. But if you're adding the right amount of nitrogen, there should be a good amount of moisture coming in with a lot of those items as well. But sometimes you do have to add some. Or if it's too wet, you need a lot more carbon in there to absorb it. And, or you can even put a cover over the top so that you're not um, getting as much rainfall if you've had a really like wet year by chance. Then lastly, and this is the thing that I just always have to remind people with, with uh, anything in the garden, in nature, is that it takes time. Like any, like there are pros out there that literally are doing this and they can turn a compost pile in two weeks, but you need, it's, that is a science literally, but for the backyard home gardener, the regular human, like you and me, I would say that your chances of doing that are slim. Like don't have that expectation on yourself and don't feel like a failure if it smells at some point or something like that. Keep going, keep trying and doing this because it is so powerful of a tool for our earth, for ourselves, like for everything. Like it is so good and it's such a powerful thing you can do whether you have a garden or not. And you can make so much good. And even if you're not going to use that compost, I am sure there's somebody in your neighborhood who would be more than happy to utilize it for their garden and to be helping, you know, saving a little money that way as well. So just give it time for us. It's taken about, this is going to be our first fall where we can actually spread our own compost before winter. That's four years, you know, and it's all been trial and error and learning. And we've had to purchase compost up until now. We don't make enough compost. And most of my friends say the same things. But I feel like the clinch thing for us has been chickens. And they have been a huge part of making that compost pile work. And for a long time, it's just been like a lot of like hands-on work with it. But the chickens do so much of that and they add so much value in terms of their poop, which is funny. And that's why we got chickens more than the eggs, more than anything. They turn compost piles, they add the nitrogen to our piles, and then they give us eggs, which is also wonderful. But that's what I will say is like, that's how you do it on a really high level to get you started. And obviously, like, there's other questions like, how do you keep pests out? How do you? There's more and we'll cover that eventually, but like for now, just like this is how we get going. And that's the main thing is I'm trying to help you guys offset your methane, give you something that feels like you're helping the earth because I know we all are looking for those things right now. But the thing is, is like the earth will heal itself if we give it the opportunity and we're not, and this is a way we can give it that opportunity. It's something that we can all do. That said, Some different systems that I would suggest, because this is the other question I get asked a lot, is, and I will do a deeper dive on these systems at some point, but on a real high level, basically like what you're looking for is something that contains your compost, that helps it to create heat, that keeps the moisture going. There's all these things that you want to keep, but there's so many ways to do that. Like it isn't one and done. Like there are so many ways. So if one system doesn't work, try again, try a different one. Um, there's so like, we didn't like our tumbler. So I have a friend who 
does like she lives alone and she has a small backyard and a tumbler is perfect for her. But for us, it just wasn't working. So I passed our tumbler on to her. And so that we could try something else. So some great options that you may want to consider is for us, we have our open bins, uh, which we first, we just did open piles and then we moved them into bins and they both worked really well. And we had some pests and things because that's a lot of concern for people. We don't, we have bears in the area, but we've never had bears in our pile. And I think it's because we don't have any meat or dairy or things like that in there. So I think the main thing is don't add those things. Um, you can add fish bones, but if you do that, just know that you're putting it at risk of having pests come in. So there's ways that you can get into the science of how to process meat and things like that. But, um, I have not looked into it yet. It, it doesn't seem, we don't eat so much meat that we need to really figure that out. I feel like at this point, maybe down the road, just not yet. So I have a DIY like showing how to make ours, if you at all are interested and it talks through the process of doing that. So you can go check that out if you are interested in doing that. And it talks about how we connected it to our chicken coop. You can obviously do them standalone. You don't have to do them that way if you don't have a chicken coop, but it's a great way. Like I said, that nitrogen is amazing. The other thing, which is a really hip, more expensive way of doing it, but I think it, I've heard incredible things from it is that uh, this thing called the sub pod, which basically what you do is you put it into the ground. And so you could put it in your garden, um, in your backyard, you put it into the ground, you drop in the stuff. It tells you all the ways of doing it. It's beautifully designed. And then you utilize the worms in your garden and your soil to take, to basically take everything down. And that's it. So it seems really cool. It looks small. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't work for us because our, we need too much and everything. So we have too large of a garden for that to make sense. But I think for a lot of people, it could make a lot of sense. Then there's tumblers like we talked about, which are great because you put everything in there and then you just turn it every single time you add. And you just got to make sure that you have that equal parts of carbon and nitrogen going in there regularly is so if you add a handful of kitchen scraps, add a handful and a half or so of carbon. And I promise you it'll go pretty quick. Then you can do an in-ground pile. Some people like to do this. You dig a hole, you put the compost in it, then you cover it up. Like or you put those kitchen scraps and the carbon in there, you cover it up. And then you add another layer and you cover it up. And you continue to do this throughout and it does it works basically like how the sub pod does but without the sub pod and a little less like rustic feeling so, or a little more rustic feeling, not less the sub pods less. Uh, so that's definitely a great way. Now, if you live in an apartment and you're like, I don't have access to this stuff. Like, how do I do this? There's a couple new things or one's older. One is like been around for forever. And that is a worm farm, which we had one and it works really well. And I plan to do a whole thing on that. We actually decided to not do that for a while because we were having such great success with our larger pile, even in the winter that we felt like we didn't need to manage two different things. But I learned a ton and I know a lot about vermiculture now, and it is so fascinating and interesting. And if you live in an apartment, it is the best way to do composting without a doubt. And it's super cool. But 
just be careful where you get your worms. We have a lot of invasive worm situations going on right now. So do a lot of research when you purchase your worms. That's my suggestion because we don't want to add to this issue. So there are actually no real native worms, uh, so to speak. I don't think anymore. I think there's like one variety. So just make sure you do some research when you're purchasing your worms. There's lots of information out there about it. Uh, so just do some Googling. But then lastly is you can do this. There's this new thing that has not actually released yet. There's like a wait list for it. It's called a Lomi, L-O-M-I. And it's from Pella, which is like Pella cases. And I just recently learned about it. I have not tried it. I cannot like back it up. It hasn't fully been released, but it's a brand new thing where basically you put the food scraps into it and it turns it into compost. I don't know. Kind of interested to check it out when it comes out. And I think I read it, it's coming out in January. So if you're looking for something else, that's like kitchen top, easy to do. I don't know if you, it's something like it would process it, then you could add it into your worm farm. But I think it's pretty expensive. It is not an approachable way of doing composting. So I would just be, I, I don't always like to recommend those things if it involves you putting a lot of money forward because I think these things are a natural thing that are going on in our environment. So we should be able to just utilize it as a natural thing and it shouldn't cost us a lot of money. That's why worm, even a worm farm can be kind of pricey. So I always suggest if you can figure out something that is an, a less money intensive choice, that's the best way to go. So I'm all about those things. You guys know that. So I don't want to recommend something that makes this feel financially unapproachable because it shouldn't be. And it, it for us, we just have always been very like to the basics on these things because that's what they are. They're a natural way of living and doing things. These are how the nature has functioned for so long. So why should they be, why should they be costing us money? And I think there's always, you know, there's a market for that stuff. Like people are seeing that there's these trends and they want to, they want to take advantage of that. And I understand that as a business owner, but I also understand that we shouldn't, we, sh the worst thing for the environment is to make these things financially unapproachable. And so I always just want to tell you, like, find the cheapest, best way to do this for yourself because you can do it. And if even like, I know most cities have a lot of larger cities like San Francisco, and I think even New York, I could be wrong about that, have options for composting and within the city, which is really cool. And I wish more cities did that. And even in our small town, there is a compost company in town, or there was for a long time. I'm not sure if they're still doing it or if it moved somewhere else, but it's a community compost project. And so if you don't see this happening in your community, maybe you could start it or maybe get a group of people together to start a compost, like a community compost pile, maybe at your community garden. And I think it could be a really cool thing. And these are the things we need to be thinking about that make it approachable, make it connective and make it doable, doable for us all. So I hope you guys love these ideas and thinking through this. And I hope you feel really energized and empowered to actually take this on for yourself because you can do this. We all can do it. And in fact, our earth is telling us we need to. So let's all set what we're putting into the air with methane and actually like 
utilize it to do something better. And cause we can, the tools are there. We just got to take advantage of them and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. I promise you. But like I said, if you guys would love to see some real experts, not just me, like being a newbie four years into this, like finally getting my pile into a place where I can utilize it in my garden and let me get curious with somebody, I would love to do that. And so send, if you know somebody that you would like to recommend for an interview, or I have some ideas, but I would also love, I, you guys are so great at just knowing great people. So send me an email or DM me on Instagram in or if you just have a question, feel free to do that as well. But till then on Friday, we have our Friday meditation. We're almost here at the end of August, which is crazy. And I can't believe September's around the corner, but I have so many great things planned for this fall and the rest of the summer. I cannot wait, but I hope you guys spend your weekend starting a compost pile because you can do it. (laughs) Okay. You guys have a lovely week ahead. And as always, thank you for being here till then. I'll see you out there friends. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.